Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. My name is Jeff Still, and I am still a compulsive overeater, and I'm a 100-pounder. Okay, so you can see two pictures. That's what it was like, uh, and it was not a whole lot of fun, to be honest with you. Um, and, uh, you know, I weighed at the top weight, and, you know, this is a weird program. So the place we reverse brag. I, I weighed 335. I weighed 425. Yeah. Uh, I weighed about 330, somewhere between 335 and 340 pounds. And, um, uh, and it's hard to weigh when you pin the scale, you know, on those old analog scales, you know, you, you just, I just pinned it, you know, I mean, I, I, I you know, because my scale went up to 300 pounds from a long time, so I didn't really even know how much that I weighed. Uh, I had a, uh, a size 56 inch waist. I wore a 3X shirt, uh, and a size, I don't know, somewhere in the 60, 62 range of a sport coat. Um, and just, you know, to uh, bring us current, I now have somewhere between 38 and a 40-inch waist. Uh, I uh, have lost over 110 pounds, 115 pounds, somewhere in that range. Uh, and uh, I wear an extra larger double X on occasion. Uh, and I know it hurts. I know. I know. Anyway, um, so that was that was the basic you know uh, size story. You know, uh, I was fat before I knew what food was. Uh, to be quite honest with you, my mother was a compulsive overeater. My father was a heavy eater, uh, and you know I suffered from. Yeah, and I'm old enough to have grown up in a, a time where people were not terribly politically correct, and uh, and it was New York. So you know. Go figure. Uh, and so everybody felt it was okay to pick on the fat guy. So the other kids picked on the fat guy. The parents picked on the fat guy. The teacher picked on the fat guy. And I'll tell you one story from the before, uh, which will give you sort of a microcosm of what I dealt with. When I was in seventh grade, seventh or eighth grade, my Spanish teacher, Mr. Leventhal, who, by the way, you know, that doesn't sound like a Spanish teacher, right? But he, uh, he would allow any kid in the class to come up from behind me and pinch my cheeks because I had these chubby cheeks because I was a chubby kid, fat kid, husky kid, whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and it was perfectly fine in the middle of the class. You know, I'd be, you know, it didn't matter. Just anyway, And he laughed and thought it was the funniest thing in the world. He called me cheeks. Now, today he would be fired for that behavior. But then it was perfectly acceptable. So it, that, that obviously is a source of pain. And what did I do to relieve the pain? I ate. I used to go to the big man store, you know, when I was 15, 16 years old, and felt so bad about leaving with mom jeans and banded bottom shirts that I would walk across the street to the pizzeria and have a couple slices. That's this illness. That's the insidious, cunning, baffling, powerful nature of this illness. But what do I do with that information? See, I was, a, you know, to an extent, I was a victim, right? I was a victim of these people's insensitivity. But I enjoyed playing the victim because it allowed me to absolve myself from any personal responsibility in the situation. 
a little more about what it was like over, you know, over the course of the years. I found programming in the late 80s, but didn't really pay attention to it. You know, kind of worked the rooms, went on a diet, lost some weight, graduated. And as Harlan will tell you, the graduation song of OA is Welcome to McDonald's. May I place your order, please? May I take your order, please? Uh, and, you know, and I gained back all the weight plus, 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 and had a miserable 22 years. And during the course of that time, uh, I was actually denied several professional opportunities because of my weight, and I'm not making it up. I heard the people say it. I heard the people say it. So now I can say, I'm a victim. Those people don't know. I, poor me, poor me, right? But when we read you know, on Awakening, we think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. We ask that our thinking be absolved from self-pity. That's the first thing Bill put down, self-pity. If I'm a victim, I'm just laying in self-pity. I am just swimming in that self-pity. So being the victim allows me to be in self-pity and allows me to blame everybody else for whatever isn't right in my life. Now, one time I was told by, the, you know, I, I heard the boss of my company say, I won't hire him because he's a slob or I won't promote him because he's a slob. I was, by the way, 30 pounds or 40 pounds overweight at that point. And instead of getting up and quitting and walking out, I stayed because my boss promised to take care of it for me, which he never did. Uh, and so then I leave there and, oh, poor me, poor me, I'm a victim. Let me go grab a, you know, a piece of cake to make myself feel better. And let me not look at what I did or didn't do to both cause the situation and, or alleviate the situation. And so I've learned through a lot of work in this program that I can't be I can't be the victim. I'm not regretting the past. I'm not looking to shut the door on it, but I'm also not going to relive it. I am not your resentment is Latin for reliving. I am not going to sit in a resentment and relive it every day because it doesn't do me any good. And so I had to, you know, I had to learn to deal with that. The other thing I needed to learn to deal with was the fact that I want to get my way all the time. I want to get my way all the time. But we'll get, you know what, let, let me do this more chronologically. So uh, I come to program, I leave the program, I gain 150 pounds, I come back to program. At the time I came back to program, I was really at the bottom. I was uh, physically in terrible condition, terrible shape. My blood was like sugar. My liver was fatty. I was pre-diabetic. It was just, you know, I was, I was probably went to the hospital half a dozen times in the five years before I came to the program thinking I was having a heart attack. Um, and, uh, and I was just in a really bad spot. And uh, I, my story is I was about to get the gastric bypass, literally, you know, moments away from doing it. And the doctor said, go see my therapist. She'll tell me you're fine, and then we'll do the surgery. And I thought to myself, you know, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to reroute my innards, I better find out if I'm fine and not go to a rubber stamp therapist, but find out by myself. So I reached out to a therapist who wouldn't see me professionally because I, I knew him. He would see me personally. I spoke to him and he said, you can do this or you can go to OA or you can do this and then go to OA. But you're going to need OA because you're not okay. And you know what? He was right. So I came in and here's the difference between the first time and the second time. I came in and I put my hand on the door of Serenity Sunday and I said, God, I have not been a terribly good child. Actually, I haven't been a good child at all. I haven't thought about you or really talked to you in decades. But here I am, and I need your help. Could you please help me to not compulsively overeat today? 
And I walked in the door, and I saw some faces that I knew, and everyone was very welcoming. And I said, okay, I'm home. I've got to do this. And I didn't have to compulsively eat that day. And so the next day, I said, God, I don't know why that worked. I don't really believe it. But, hey, worked yesterday. Can you help me to not compulsively eat today? I didn't have to compulsively eat today. That day. That was July 5th, 2009. And uh, as I said, I've you know, lost, you know, I spent 22 years in the weeds. I don't recommend it, <laughs> but that was my story. I asked God for help, and I got help. And then I got, you know, I got that gentleman who, who Eskimoed me in. I'm not supposed to say that, I'm told. That gentleman who, uh, you know, brought me in uh, became my sponsor, and I worked the program. And I did an inventory, uh, you know, and I learned something in that inventory. It's my inventory. But let me talk about God before I get to the inventory. Because, you know, God's really what we were doing here, right? I, I was a deli Jew. By that I mean I could tell you where to get a great corned beef sandwich, but I really didn't know the first thing about how Jews looked at religion or God. You know, I was culturally Jewish, but I, I, I flunked God in Hebrew school. And, um, and I, uh, yeah, I didn't know what to do. Uh, and uh, because I didn't know how to believe, I didn't even know how to believe in God. And then I went down, I live in, near the beach in Santa Monica. I went down to the beach and I asked the waves to stop and they wouldn't. I asked the sun to stop setting and it wouldn't. I asked my grass to stop growing because I was broke and I couldn't afford to pay the gardener. It didn't stop growing. And I realized, you know, there's a power greater than me. And if you have doubts about that, I would suggest you go outside right now and command it to become 20 degrees cooler and start raining. Now, if you can do that, I will start praying to you. But until then... I pray to what I call God, which for me is a universal energy. I don't personify it. I don't follow any particular religious, you know, uh, religious, uh, you know, uh, whatever that would be, religious practice. Uh, but I know there's power greater than me, and I know that if I tap into that power greater than me, I get power because I am powerless over food. I cannot stop eating once I start eating certain things. I do not have that ability. I do not have that power. But if I ask God to help me not do it, I don't have to do it. And it's almost 12 years since I've had to do it because I have tapped into a power greater than myself and asked for help. Just that simple. All I need to do is ask for help. So, I, you know, I, I start working the program, you know, steps one, two, and three, you know, which solidifies my, uh, solidifies my you know, relationship with that higher power. And then I have to take an inventory. And one of the things I learned in that inventory was that I cannot recover by confessing other people's sins. It goes back to that victim thing. I need to take responsibility for myself. I need to own my mistakes. I need to own my transgressions. I need to understand them and apologize for them to try and make it right. Why? So that I'm not driven to eat. Because when I'm agitated, when I'm doubtful, when I'm sad, when I'm lonely, when I'm angry, when I'm tired, when I'm, you know, I can give you a whole range of things, I'm an addict. And my first thought's the addictive thought, food, that will make me feel better. Food will make me feel better. I heard in a meeting a couple weeks ago, don't believe everything you think, because I think food will help me. 
but food won't help me because if I eat one of the you know dozens of things I have on the do not fly list, uh, you know I'm going I won't be able to stop. I, I you know I, or maybe I will, but I'm not willing to take that chance because I know what it's like to not be able to stop. So I, you know, I did my inventory. I'm too long a program. I've lost 100. You know, I've lost weight very slowly because I came in older. I lost six pounds a month for 18 months. Didn't lose seven pounds any month. Didn't lose five pounds any month. That's to me that was God talking to me, because you know how does does one lose six pounds a month no matter what you know, no matter how I changed my food plan. And then I began to gain weight in program. I got down and then I began to kind of come back up because what was happening was. Meal time for me wasn't a meal, it was a time. So anything that I could put on that plate between 7 and 7.30 at night or, or 1 and 1.30 in the afternoon that wasn't on that you know, red light list, it was good. And I began to gain weight. And I went to a meeting, went to Serenity Sunday, and I heard a gentleman talk about sober eating. And what he said was, it's not what we don't eat. It's not just what we don't eat. It's also how do we eat. Am I taking the edge off three times a day? And I have to admit to myself, I was taking the edge off. I was taking the edge off at least twice a day with food, because, and that's why I was gaining weight. And what he talked about was weighing and measuring, which was an anathema to me until that moment. I did not really want to think about it. You know, weighing and measuring, planning your meals, no unilateral food decisions. Already articulated it very beautifully earlier, which is why I said it'll save me some time. I make you no know, unilateral food decisions. I eat three meals a day. I have two snacks. They are all weighed and measured in some way, shape, or form. I report that to my sponsor every day. I need to be accountable because left to my own devices, I'll eat what I can because I like taking the edge off. So if I don't take the edge off of food, what do I take the edge off with? Well, there's a whole, you know, world of things that you could take the edge off with, but uh, they're not very healthy for me either. And so I choose to take the edge off by praying, talking to God, talking to my fellows, going to meetings, reading the book, and writing. To me, that takes the edge off. It takes the edge off much more slowly, but it takes the edge off nonetheless. And it doesn't leave me with a 56-inch waist. It doesn't leave me going to the hospital. By the way, since I've been in program, I haven't been to the hospital uh, once uh, for any sort of thing. And my medical markers are completely down the middle. I uh, I also uh, use an outside, you know, outside help to help me with my food at the suggestion of my orthopedist because, you know, maybe I could lose 20 pounds and take some pressure off my joints was how he put it. I went to the nutritionist last week uh, and she looked at me and said, why are you here? I said, what do you mean, why am I here? Look at me. That's why I'm here. And she said, what's wrong with you? I, I look at your chart. You've lost 110 pounds. Your medical markers are all down the middle. You're not, you know, oh, you know morbidly obese or even obese. Why are you here? And I said, because I could lose 20 pounds. Who said? It's orthopedist. Okay. We go through my food. She said, I don't know what to tell you to do. You, you eat you, great. Instead of eating six to eight ounces of protein at a meal, why don't you try four to six? You know, instead of an apple as a snack, try, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, non-fat sugar-free yogurt. 
It's like little, little, little adjustments that I make. So then I, of course, can't make that decision unilaterally, even with the nutritionist telling me that's what I should do. So I took that back to my sponsor. She did, when we discussed it, she also discussed protein bars as a snack. And I said, I don't trust myself around protein bars. Because, you know, to me, and I'm not suggesting this is your, your, for you, but for me, protein bars are candy bars by another name. And they may not metabolize as such, but it, in my hand, it feels like a candy bar. When I eat it, it feels like a candy bar. I can't afford to eat candy bars. So I said no to the, and my, uh, we, my sponsor and I discussed it, and he agreed it's probably not a good idea. So I made those slight adjustments, and off I go. And, that's that's basically how I do my program. I you know I I work with a group of other like-minded sober eaters. Most of us are 100 pounders, and you know uh, it, it's an, and, and the benefits are amazing. Not only do I feel better, not only are my medical markers better, uh, but you know I think more clearly. Because I'm not thinking about food. I don't have many decisions to make in a day. And when I say, you know, unilateral food decisions, I don't mean if I go into a restaurant, I get a salad, do I have to call somebody and st- to decide if I'm going to have chicken, beef, or shrimp on top of my salad. I don't have to do that. I can make that decision on my own. But what I can't make the decision on is how much of it I'm going to eat and when I'm going to eat it. So I know I'm going to have between four and six ounces of, of, of protein on my salad. How do I know? I ask. At the restaurant. How much protein do you put on your salad? Well, it's a chicken breast. But that doesn't help me. Oftentimes they can say, four ounces of this, six ounces of that. And I know, and I can, I can measure it. The world Five minutes. Thank you. The world isn't going to end if I have 6.1 ounces of protein on, you know, on a meal in a place where I can't actually put it on a food scale. But I know that I'm keeping within my parameters. And like I said, I get to think more clearly. I don't have to be a victim. I, you know, the only time that I ever, you know, the, the, that my way is the only way is when I'm alone. Okay? My way is never somebody else's way. I may win. I may get my way. And my way may be right. It may be wrong. But I have to, you know, one of the things I've learned in the program, one of the things not compulsively eating does is it allows me to, you know, it allows me to see other people's views and actually respect them and treat them as valid. You know, and that was not my story. I was a very dismissive guy when I was eating. It's like, yeah, this is, I know how to do it. Get, get the F out of my way. You know, and, and that's not how I live my life anymore. Now, if you're a newcomer and you're saying, what does all of this have to do with eating? I just want to stop eating and lose weight. The answer is, it has everything to do with it because I don't, I don't live a life where I'm constantly, where I constantly have dissonance between what I do and what I know to be the right thing. I do the right thing because I surrender to a power greater than myself. I listen to other people. I listen to people who have more experience in this program. I listen to people who have less experience. I listen to my sponsors. I listen to my fellows. You know, and I take in what they have to say and treat it as valid. And that's a sea change from where I was prior to program. But if you're a newcomer, here, my suggestion would be this. In the, in the first chapter of the big book, it says our old ideas have to be smashed. If you're carrying around the diet mentality, which we all did and we all sometimes even still do, you, you're getting pressure from people. It has, it, you, let it all go. 
this is a new way of living, a new way of acting on life, a new way of looking at food and what your relationship with food is. And whatever stripe your disease, if you're anorexic, you're bulimic, if, if, if you're you know, what I call the garden variety compulsive overeater like me, then the answers are here. I may not have the answer for everyone because I don't have the experience of bulimia or anorexia, but there are people in this room who do. And they can guide you, but you have to listen. You have to drop your thoughts and your old ideas and say, what can I learn? And, you know, is, you know, if you believe there is a God, ask God to help you with that. Say, hey, God, let me be teachable. Let me learn. Let me, you know, there's, we have a prayer, you know, let me, let me forget everything I know or I think I know about a subject. Because... My thinking that I know is a very dangerous thing because I take actions based on ignorance. I don't have to do that anymore because, look, I have, there's 96 people on this meeting. I have 95 people that I can turn to right now for help. 95 people. The answer is going to be in there somewhere. You know, the answer is going to be in there somewhere. So when Bill talks about smashing your old ideas in the book, he's not talking about setting them aside and maybe bringing them back. He's not talking about listening to someone else but deciding they're wrong. He's saying don't allow your addictive thoughts to rule your life. Let the healthy thoughts come in. Let the, let, let the people who have recovered from this horrible state of mind and body help you to get there yourself. So, you know, drop your ego, Listen to somebody else uh, and, 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 and pray that it works. And it, you can have a better life. My life is so much better. I make more money. I have more fun. I feel better. Uh, you know, and, and all of that, I, I never asked for any of that. Everything I have in this program is a complete gift. I changed careers about two and a half years ago from an entertainment business career to kind of a legal services business career because I was being aged out of the entertainment business. And, you know, I didn't ask for that job. It dropped in my lap, gift wrapped with a bow. That didn't come from me. It came from God. Time. So it's all here for you. You know, you know I, I just urge you as a newcomer to keep coming back, attend as many meetings as you can, and talk to as many people until you find someone who hits the right chord for you and can guide you through this process of recovery. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Thank you very much for letting me share. Uh, this is time for questions only. There is no sharing in this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are of my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please uh, click the raise your hand icon. And we're ending a little early. What time are we ending, Mark? Uh, we're ending at 9.40-ish. Uh, 9.40-ish. <laughs> Uh, which is a very specific time. Uh, and, uh, uh, yeah, so, uh, we'll get started. Uh, I see, uh, Jolene. Joylene, I'm sorry, Joylene. Yes, hello. Hi, Jeff. Congratulations. I loved your speech. My question to you is, how did you manage as you lost weight gradually, meaning not being too hard on yourself, that it was just gradually coming off and find serenity in that? <laughs> uh, the first few months, I did not have serenity around it. Uh, 
And, and, you know, the reason for that is because one of the things that happens in this program is we say, okay, we're going to take away your crutch, which is food, and we're going to give you a new crutch, which is God and the program, but it, they don't work as quickly as food. So now we're saying, okay, take away your crutch and then just kind of live. And so until I learned, you know, enough about the program and, and, and practiced the program enough, uh, it was hard. Uh, it was frustrating because, you know, my old diet mentality, the one that needed to be smashed, that says, you know, when I diet, I lose 20 pounds in the first month because I'm a big fat guy and it's going to come off quick. Well, but I wasn't dieting and I was older, but I wasn't dieting. So six pounds came off. I went, well, that's not enough. I got to give up this and that and this and that. So I gave up this and that and this and that and six pounds next month. Well, that's not enough. I got to give up. What do I got to do? You know, I gave up French fries. I gave up. My head's going. <laughs> Uh, and after a while, it became almost funny. And you know, after about the fourth or fifth month, it was like, okay, God, I know you have a sense of humor. It's going to be six pounds. I get on the scale, and it's six pounds. So I kind of gave it up. I gave it over to God. You know, there's an old saying in program. You take care of the fork. fork. Sorry, let's try that from the beginning. You take care of the fork. God takes care of the scale. You know, Five minutes. I, I, I'm not the author of my own weight. You know, I, I just eat as I'm told, and what I do, what my weight is my weight. I hope that answers the question. Next up is uh, Rika or Ricky. I'm sorry, I'm not sure. How to say it. <laughs> it's Rika. Hi, thank you so much for your lead. Um, I've heard you guys, a multitude of folks, talk about um, sober eating um, programs, and and what I've not found is a female version. Um, do you know of another one? Because I've I've found, and maybe I'm misunderstanding, but it seems like it's all men. Um, well, sober eating is not a formal program. It's, I know. It's, you know, it's, it, it, you know we, we do give some sober eating workshops. There are plenty of women who do work the, prog- the, the, you know, the, uh, the, the program that way, you know, and it's really just a philosophy that, you know, we need to, you know, uh, be a little bit more proactive around the food uh, as opposed to reactive around the food. And I'm not suggesting anyone is. Just this is, you know, we have a specific way of doing it. Uh, if you reach out to me and I'll, uh, you know, my number is somewhere, but I'll, you know, I'll DM whatever it is to you. Uh, and we can connect you with women who do, who work the program that way. Uh, but it's a, it, it's a philosophy, you know, uh, really more than a, a, a movement. Uh, but we, like I said, we do do some things like the workshops, and I can send you some workshops and stuff too. We have women who participate in those as well. Uh, next, I see Julie has her hand up. I'm sorry, did, did that answer your question? Okay, great, Julie. Thanks, Jeff. Um, having reacted in a certain way before with people kind of making your body their business, um, as you slim down. How did you deal with uh, inevitable comments? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Uh, you know, uh, when I first started, you know, first of all, I lost six pounds and then six pounds, six pounds. So it wasn't like the world was going, oh, my God, look at all the weight you're losing. <laughs> they, uh, uh, you know, it, it wasn't quite that meteoric. Uh, but uh, I have seen people, you know, who I hadn't seen for a year, two years, three years. Oh, like the holy shit, my God. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, you know, my ego loves it. And my program brain tells me don't pay much attention to that because A, it's not your, your doing. It's God's doing. B, you know, there's no need to take a victory lap because you didn't win anything. You know, you, you were the recipient of a gift. 
you know, oftentimes in meetings, people you'll say, oh, I lost 110 pounds, and people will applaud. And I know a woman who says it, I, I, I love it. When she says it, she says, don't applaud for me. It's like applauding for someone running out of a burning building. You know, my house was on fire. I received a gift that allowed me to put the fire out. I, I, the credit's not mine. Uh, but when you first start, you don't know that. So you're going, oh, great, yeah, look at me, I'm terrific. Yeah, and then it, that gives way to the knowledge that I have nothing to do with it. I mean, I have something to do with it. I have the willingness, I do the work. But it's a gift from God. It's absolutely a gift from my higher power. And uh, I treat it as such. So that's how I do it. Uh, is that good, Julie? Yes? Okay. Uh, next up, Nancy D. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for your lead. Um, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about, in one minute, about your uh, 10-step practice. <laughs> uh, sure. sure. Uh, I do uh, sort of a dual step, dual 10th step at night. I go over my day. Uh, I have I, do I have any resentments? Do I, did I, do I owe any amends? You know, et cetera, et cetera. I go over my food. You know, uh, you know I, I do that mentally. And then in the morning, I send my sponsor an email. I send my sponsor an email with 10 things I'm grateful for. I then do uh, what's, uh, what's going right, what's the plan, and what uh, is keeping me from peace. Uh, which is uh, another way of doing a 10-step, and then I report my food. Uh, and so uh, I do, you know, I, I hit it twice, but I also am very quick to recognize when I screwed up. So I don't have to wait for the ni- for nighttime to realize I was somebody at amends or to realize I did something that I'm not comfortable with. Uh, and I will oftentimes talk to my sponsor or another fellow to determine what the right course of action might be, and then I embark upon it immediately because that's what the book tells me to do. It tells me if I, if I, you know, I should immediately make an amends. I also, you know, you know when I am troubled by something, I do exactly what it says on page 84 of the big book, which is I, uh, you know, I ask God to remove the feelings and I immediately turn to be of service to somebody else. I call someone and see how they're doing. Don't tell them what my problem is. I want to know what's going on with them. Getting out of my head is a really great relief, uh, even if it's temporary. I have to do that two, three times sometimes, but it works. Thank you, guys. Thanks for letting me share.